Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game and I'm your host Jason Diem and today we will be talking over the Paladin class for anyone who's new to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, So if you have the player's handbook it'll be page 82 is where I'm going to be reading over the not the chapter, the section of the book that's devoted to talking about paladins. Uh, just off the bat, I would say that paladins are probably one of the best classes to start with when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. They have very light amounts of magic. Most of it will be magic that you'll have a fair understanding of how to, how to apply it tactically when you're playing uh, D&D, as well as the, the class is primarily focused on being a out-and-out fighter and someone who can take a hit. So it means that you don't have to think tactically in the way that, say, a, a wizard would have to, where they're constantly trying to push away from the fight. A paladin can get right in the middle of it and can be there while still dishing out damage or being quite a important support character as well. Um, so, Without messing about anymore, let's talk about Paladin. Clad in plate armour that gleams in the sunlight despite the dust and grime of long travel, a human lays down her sword and shield and places her hands on a mortally wounded man. Divine radiance shines from her hands. The man's wounds knit closed and his eyes open wide with amazement. A dwarf crouches behind an outcrop, his black cloak making him nearly invisible in the night, and watches an orc warband celebrating in recent victory. Silently, he stalks into their midst and whispers an oath, and two orcs are dead before they even realise he is there. Silver hair shining in a shaft of light that seems to illuminate only him, an elf laughs with exultion. His spear flashes like his eyes as he jabs again and again at a twisted giant until at last his light overcomes its hideous darkness. Whatever their origin and their mission, paladins are united by their oaths to stand against the forces of evil, whether sworn before a god's altar and the witnesses of a priest in a sacred glade before nature spirits and fey beings or in a moment of desperation and grief with the dead as the only witness. A paladin's oath is a powerful bond. It is a source of power that turns a devout warrior into a blessed champion. The cause of righteousness. A paladin swears to uphold justice and righteousness, to stand with the good things of the world against the encroaching darkness and to hunt the forces of evil wherever they lurk. Different paladins focus on various aspects of the cause of righteousness, but all are bound by the oaths that grant them power to do their sacred work. Although many paladins are devoted to gods of good, a paladin's power comes as much from a commitment to justice itself as it does from a god. Paladins train for years to learn the skills of combat, mastering a variety of weapons and armour. Even so, their martial skills are secondary to the magical power they wield. Power to heal the sick and injured, to smite the wicked and the undead, and to protect the innocent 
and those who joined them in the fight for justice. Beyond the mundane life. Almost by definition, the life of a paladin is an adventuring life, unless a lasting injury has taken him or her away from adventuring for a time, every paladin lives on the front lines of the cosmic struggle against evil. Fighters are rare enough among the ranks of the militias and armies of the world, but even fewer people can claim the true calling of a paladin. When they do receive the call, these warriors turn from their former occupations and take up arms to fight evil. Sometimes their oaths lead them into the service of the crown as leaders of elite groups of knights, but even then their loyalty is first to the cause of righteousness, not to crown and country. Adventuring paladins take their work seriously. A delve into an ancient ruin or dusty crypt can be a quest driven by a higher purpose than the acquisition of treasure. Evil lurks in dungeons and primeval forests and even the smallest victory against it can tilt the cosmic balance away from oblivion. Creating a paladin. So the most important aspect of a paladin character is the nature of his or her holy quest. Although the quest features related to your oath don't appear until you reach third level, plan ahead for that choice by reading the oath descriptions at the end of this class. Are you a devoted servant of God, loyal to the gods of justice and honour, a holy knight in shining armour venturing forth to smite evil? Are you a glorious champion of the light, cherishing everything beautiful that stands against the shadow, a knight whose oath descends from traditions older than many of the gods? Or are you an embittered loner, sworn to take vengeance on those who have done great evil, sent as an angel of death by the gods, or driven by your need for revenge? Appendix B lists many deities worshipped by paladins throughout the multiverse, such as Torm, Ter, Heroeneus, Paladine, Dolara, etc, etc. I'm not reading all of them. Um, the next bit says, How did you experience your call to serve as a paladin? Did you hear a whisper from an unseen god or angel while you were at prayer? Did another paladin sense the potential within you and decide to train you as a squire? Or did some terrible event, the destruction of your home perhaps, drive you to your quests. Perhaps you stumble into a sacred grove or a hidden elven enclave and found yourself called to protect all such refuges of goodness and beauty. Or you might have known from your earliest memories that the paladin's life was your calling, almost as if you had been sent into the world with that purpose stamped on your soul. As guardians against the forces of wickedness, paladins are rarely of any evil alignment. Most of them walk the paths of charity and justice. Consider how your alignment colours the way you pursue your holy quest and the manner in which you consider yourself before gods and mortals. Your, oh, your oaths and alignment might be in harmony or your oath might represent standards of behaviour that you have not yet attained. So I'm only going to read up to third level, but that is where you do get things like Divine Health, uh, Sacred Oath, 
Uh, you also have your Divine Smite at that point, so you get that at second level. Uh, at first level, you get your Divine Sense, Lay on Hands. Uh, your proficiency bonus will be plus two all the way through first, second, and third level. Um, at first level, you don't have any spell slots, so when you get to second level, you'll also gain a fighting style, you'll gain the ability to spell cast, and you'll have your Divine Smite. So you'll have two first level spell slots at level two, and then at level three, you will have three first level uh, spell slots. Um, and the proficiency bonus stays the same. So quick build. You can make a paladin quickly by following these suggestions. First, strength should be your highest ability score, followed by your charisma. Second, choose the noble background. So the reason that they make uh, charisma your second uh, thing that you should plow all your points into is because that's your main spell casting uh, ability. So where a wizard and warlocks use wisdom and their intelligence, uh, it comes down to your charisma, much like a bard. Yes, like a bard. Uh, class features. As a paladin, you gain the following class features. So your hit dice is 1d10 per paladin level. Your hit points at first level will be 10 plus your constitution modifier, and then hit points at a higher level will be 1d10 or you can take the average of 6 plus your constitution modifier per paladin level after first. So proficiencies, armour, you will be proficient in all armour and shields, weapons, simple weapons and martial weapons, tools, none, saving throws will be wisdom and charisma and then your skills, you get to choose two from athletics, insight, intimidation, medicine, persuasion and religion. Equipment. You start with the following equipment in addition to the equipment granted by your background. A martial weapon and a shield or you can take two martial weapons. You'll gain five javelins or you can choose any simple melee weapon. You can choose a priest's pack or an explorer's pack and then finally you'll have chain mail and a holy symbol. So you'll need to look up what chainmail is in terms of the AC that that'll give you, the um, armor class that that'll give you. Next up is Divine Sense. So you will have that at first level. So the presence of strong evil registers on your senses like the nauseous odor and powerful good rings like the heavenly music in your ears. As an action, you can open your awareness to detect such forces until the end of your next turn. You know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet of you that is not behind total cover. You know the type, celestial fiend or undead, of any being whose presence you sense, but not its identity, so you wouldn't know that it's uh, Count Strad von Zarevich, for instance. Uh, within the same radius, you also detect the presence of any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated with the Hallow spell. You can use the feature a number of times equal to 1 plus your Charisma modifier. Uh, when you finish a long rest, you regain all expended uses. Next up is Lay on Hands. Again, something that you get at first level. So your Blessed Touch can heal wounds. You have a pool of healing power that replenishes when you take a long rest. With that pull, you can restore a total number of hit points equal to your Paladin's level times 5. So you will be able to restore 5 HP when you're at level 1, 10 at level 2, 15 at level 3. As an action, you can touch a creature and draw power from the pull to restore a number of hit points to that creature up to the maximum amount remaining in your pull. 
Alternatively, you can expend five hit points from your pool of healing to cure the target of one disease or neutralize one poison affecting it. You can cure multiple diseases and neutralize multiple poisons with a single use of Lay on Hands, expending hit points separately for each one. This feature has no effect on undead and constructs. So at second second level, you'll then have to pick a fighting style. So at second level, you adopt a style of fighting as your specialty. Choose one of the following options. You can't take a fighting style option more than once, even if you later get to choose again. So you'll either have defense, dueling, great weapon fighting, or protection. So defense, uh, while you're wearing armor, you gain plus one to your AC. Dueling, when you're wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you gain plus two to your damage rolls with that weapon. Uh, great weapon fighting style, so if you roll a one or a two on a damage die for an attack you make with a melee weapon that you're wielding with two hands, you can re-roll that die and must use the new roll. The weapon must have the two-handed or versatile, versatile property for you to gain that benefit. Protection, when a creature you can see attacks a target other than you that is within five feet of you you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack roll and you must be wearing a shield as if you have rammed your shield in between them next up is spell casting so by second level you have learned to draw on divine magic through meditation and prayer to cast spells as a cleric does see chapter 10 for the general rules of spell casting and chapter 11 for the paladin spell list so i've already covered uh spell casting if you want to go and listen to that podcast it's in an earlier episode um i haven't covered anything to do with the paladin spell list so you could easily type that into google if you don't happen to have the book so preparing and casting spells the paladin table shows how many spell slots you have to cast your spells to cast one of your paladin spells of first level or higher you must expend a slot of that spells level or higher you regain all expended spell slots when you finish a long rest take a note of that you prepare the list of paladin spells that are available for you to cast choosing from the paladin spell list when you do so choose a number of paladin spells equal to your charisma modifier plus half your paladin level rounded down minimum of one spell so the spells must be of a level for which you have spell slots so for example if you're a fifth level paladin you have four first level and two second level spell slots with a charisma of 14 your list is of prepared spells can include four spells of first or second level in any combination. If you prepare the first level spell Cure Wounds, you can cast it using a first level or second level slot. Casting the spell doesn't remove it from your list of prepared spells. You can change your list of prepared spells whenever you finish a long rest. Preparing a new list of Paladin spells requires time spent in prayer and meditation, at least one minute per spell level for each spell on your list. As a DM, I don't tend to pay attention to that sort of thing. Uh, so just check with your DM if they want you to do that. But if they're quite happy, go, yeah, you do it and that's it it may be as quick as that um or they might want you to act out the entire prayer which is a bit weird but okay uh spell casting ability charisma is your spell casting ability for your paladin spells since their power derives from the strength of your convictions you can use your charisma whenever a spell refers to your spell casting ability in addition you use your charisma modifier when setting the saving throw dc for a paladin spell you cast and when making an attack roll with one 
So a spell save DC is 8 plus your proficiency bonus, which will be plus 2, plus your charisma modifier, so whatever that's sitting at, you can add that all together. And then spell attack modifier is your proficiency bonus, plus 2, plus your charisma modifier. So it's 2 plus whatever your charisma modifier is for the spell attack modifier. I would take a wee note of that just above where your spells are, or if you're using a character sheet that's on like the D&D Beyond already make that up for you. Uh, Divine Smite. Starting at second level, when you hit a creature with a melee weapon, you can expend one spell slot to deal radiant damage to the target in addition to the weapon's damage. The extra damage is 2d8 for a first level spell slot plus 1d8 for each spell slot higher than first to a maximum of 5d8. The damage increases by 1d8 if the target is undead or a fiend. So just to make that clear, because I had to look this up when I was first playing a Paladin. Paladin was the first ever class that I played when I played D&D. You can use a Divine Smite as a reaction. So when you hit someone and you know that you're going to hit them, and then you can call it that I'm going to make this a Divine Smite. That is particularly useful, and this is a little bit of a kind of maxing out part of the character. If you roll a 20 when you're hitting someone, you can call it a Divine Smite, and the Divine Smite does double damage as well Uh, next up is divine health so by third level the divine magic flowing through you makes you immune to disease keep a note of that because as a dm i'm not asking whether you are not immune to disease or not because i don't have time to check all these things so you have to remind the dm oh wait i'm actually immune to that i have divine health Sacred Oath. So when you reach third level, you swear the oath that binds you as a paladin forever. Up to this time, you have been in a preparatory stage, committed to the path, but not yet sworn to it. Now you choose the oath of devotion, the oath of ancients, or the oath of vengeance, all detailed at the end of the class description. And your choice grants you features at third level, and further on than that, 7th, 15th, and 20th, but we're not covering that. So you'll gain oath spells. Each oath has a list of associated spells. You gain access to these spells as the levels specified uh, in the oath description. Once you gain access to an oath spell, you always have it prepared. Oath spells don't count against the number of spells you can prepare each day. If you gain an oath spell that doesn't appear on the paladin spell list, the spell is nonetheless a paladin spell for you. So it'll be a charisma that will be the modifier for it. Channel divinity. Your oath allows you to channel divine energy to fuel magic effects. So each channel divinity option provided by your oath explains how to use it. When you use your channel divinity, you choose which option to use. You must then finish a short or long rest to use your channel divinity again. So you can do that after a wee quick rest. Uh, Some channel divinity effects require saving throws. When you use such an effect from this class, the DC equals your paladin spell save DC. So, let's see. Uh, Sacred Oath. So, becoming a paladin involves taking vows that commit the paladin to the cause of righteousness, an active path of fight and weakness. The final oath taken when he or she reaches third level is the culmination of all the paladin's training. Some characters with this class don't consider themselves true paladins until they have reached third level and made this oath. For others, the actual swearing of the oath is a formality, an official stamp, on what was always been true in the paladin's heart. Oath of Devotion. So, Oath of of Devotion binds a paladin to the loftiest 
ideals of justice, virtue and order, sometimes called cavaliers, white knights or holy warriors, these paladins meet the idea of the knight in shining armour. Acting with honour and pursuit of justice and the greater good. They hold themselves to the highest standards of conduct and some, for better or worse, hold the rest of the world and to those same standards. Many who swear this oath are devoted to gods of law and good and use their gods' tenets as the measures of their devotion. They hold angels, the perfect servants of good, as their ideals and incorporate images of angelic wings into their helmets or coats of arms. So the tenets of the devotion is honesty, you don't lie or cheat, let your word be your promise, courage, never act in, out of fear, um, though caution is wise, compassion, aid others, protect the weak, etc, etc, honour, treat others with fairness and let your honourable deeds be an example to them, duty, be reasonable for your actions, eh, sorry, be responsible for your actions and their consequences. So your oath spells, you gain the oath spells of, uh, at the paladin levels listed below, so for the oath of devotion spells at third level you'll gain protection from good and evil and sanctuary. Channel Divinity. When you take the, this oath at third level, you gain the following Channel Divinity options. Sacred Weapon. As an action, you can imbue one weapon that you are holding with the positive energy uh, using your Channel Divinity. For one minute, you add your Charisma modifier to attack rolls made with that weapon to a minimum bonus of plus one. The weapon also emits bright light in a 20 foot radius and dim light in 20 feet beyond that. If the weapon is not already magical, it becomes magical for the duration. You can end this effect as your turn, oh, sorry, on your turn as part of any other action. If you are no longer holding or carrying this weapon or if you fall unconscious, this effect ends. Turn unholy. As an action, you present your holy symbol and speak a prayer censoring fiends and undead using your channel divinity. Each fiend or undead that you can see that is within 30 feet of you must make a wisdom saving throw. If the creature fails the saving throw, it is turned for one minute or until it takes damage. Uh, so a turned creature must spend its turns trying to move as far away from you as it can and it will willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you. It also can't make reactions. For its action, it can only use the dash action to try to escape an effect that prevents it from moving. If there's nowhere to move, the creature can use the dodge action. Aura, uh, sorry. So the next one is Oath of the Ancients. The Oath of the Ancients is as old as the race of elves and the rituals of the druids. Sometimes called Fey Knights, Green Knights or Horned Knights, Paladins who swear this oath cast their lot with the side of the light in the cosmic struggle against darkness because they love the beautiful and life-giving things of the world, not necessarily because they believe in the principles of honour, courage or justice. They adorn their armour and clothing with images of growing things, leaves, antlers and flowers. Tenants of the Ancients. The tenant of, sorry, the tenets of the Oath of the Ancients have been preserved for uncounted centuries. This, this oath empath, empathises the principles of good above any concerns of law or chaos. Its four central principles are simple. Kindle the light. Through your acts of mercy, kindness and forgiveness, kindle the light of hope in the world, beating back despair. Shelter the light. Where there is good, beauty, love or laughter in the world, stand against the wickedness. Pres preserve your own light. Delight in song and laughter and beauty and art. 
be the light, be a glorious beacon for all who live in despair. So the spells that you get at that, for the Oath of the Ancients at third level, is Ensnaring Strike and Speak with Animals. You also gain the Channel Divinity ability, Nature's Wrath. You can use your Channel Divinity to invoke primal forces to ensnare a foe. As an action, you can cause spectral vines to spring up and reach from a creature for a creature within 10 feet that you, that you can see. The creature must succeed a strength or dexterity saving throw to or be restrained. While restrained by the vines, the creature repeats the saving throw at the end of each of its turns. On a success, it frees itself and the vines vanish. Turn the Faithless. You can use your channel divinity to utter the ancient words uh, what are, that are painful for fae and fiends to hear. As an action, you present your holy symbol and each fair fiend within 30 feet of you that can hear must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is turned for one minute and until it takes damage. Um, so you can just look at the, the turned rules again. It must keep on moving away from you, basically. Uh, if the creature's true form is concealed by an illusion, shape-shifting or other artifact, that form is revealed while it's turned. Next is the Oath of Vengeance. So the Oath of Ve Vengeance is solemn commitment to the punish to punish those who have committed a grievous sin. Uh, when evil forces slaughter helpless villagers, when an entire people turns against the will of the gods, when a thieves guild grows too violent and powerful, when a dragon rampages through the countryside, at times like these paladins arise and swear an oath of vengeance to set right what has gone wrong. So I'm just going to move over to the next page. The tenets of this is to fight the greater evil, uh, no mercy uh, for the wicked by any means necessary you won't stop and then restitution if my foes wreck ruin on the world it is because I failed to stop them so I must help those harmed by their misdeeds so your oath spells for vengeance as at third level you gain bane and hunter's mark your channel divinity for that will be abjure enemy as an action you present your holy symbol and speak the prayer of denunciation using your channel divinity choose one creature within 60 feet of you that you can see that creature must make a wisdom saving throw unless it is immune to being frightened fiends and undead have disadvantage on saving throws on a failed save the creature is frightened for one minute or until it takes any damage. While frightened, the creature's speed is zero and it can't benefit from any bonus to its speed. On a successful save, the creature's speed is halved for one minute or until the creature takes any damage. Vow of Enmity. Uh, as a bonus action, you can utter a vow of enmity against a creature that you can see within 10 feet of you and using your channel divinity, you gain advantage on attack rolls against the creature for one minute or until it drops to zero hit points and falls unconscious. And that is everything that you need to know about being a paladin when you play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, tactics for playing that type of character, like I said at the, the top of the podcast, try to be in the middle of things when you're a paladin. Uh, but don't just be rampaging in blindly, try and be smart about it. But you can get yourself in the mix. You've got decent pools of health there if you don't have any potions. Um, you will have everything protecting you. So you can even take the, the, the plus one AC if you decide that you want to have even more uh, 
better protection against people that are trying to hit you. Uh, so ultimately I would always recommend that a paladin in Dungeons and Dragons is probably one of the best first characters to play it might be that I'm a little bit biased because it's where I started when I played the game and I found that I had most success with it I like being in the middle of conversation so again with your high charisma and it being a that you can heal people when you're in the middle of even just conversations you can do nice good deeds and it's part of your character to do that it means that that you can naturally play a good guy and you have quite a lot of spells that let you be a good guy so you can like you know create water and help people and and really make a difference to some of the villages that you'll come across a lot of the people that you'll come across when you meet them they'll be going through some sort of plight disease poison something will be happening to them something will be upsetting them you can usually get the information out of them with your charisma modifier if you even use things like charm person and that you try to you know charm your way through the game you'll find that that, that paladins are really good for that sort of thing as well so they're good fighters they're good conversationists they're a good all-rounder and that for today is that um, if you would like to follow along, please hit the follow button or you can follow my Twitter. It's at JasonDM14 on Twitter. Or you can look me up on the DMs Guild. My most recent adventure is the Tomb of the Headstone Helm. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone that's been following along so far. Uh, we will continue doing more classes with each of the new episodes that are coming out. So thank you for your time and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.